Hey there, welcome to the BioFounders podcast. This is Sophia Sanchez, your host. I am a teenager who's very extremely curious about bioengineering, synthetic biology, whatever you want to call it, because that's actually one of the questions that we will be discussing today with Christina Gapakis, the creative director at Ginkgo Bioworks, the organism company. So if you haven't heard of Christina or Ginkgo, well, that's, and that's what this episode is for, but just for a bit of context. So Ginkgo, they, they call it the organism company or the company that's making biology easier to engineer by using software tools, automation tools. So applying all this engineering into biological products for other companies. So the way I see it is actually as the biological factory for the future, but some people like to make the analogy to the AWS of biotech. Now, as of Christina's role, she is personally very into the art of asking big questions and trying to give hypothetical answers to them, which again is what we do in this episode. Um, and she also does that through the Grow magazine, which I'll leave the link to that in the description below. It's a synthetic biology magazine that looks at all these new technologies, well, biotechnologies through a social, philosophical lens, you know, a, a more holistic point of view. She herself will tell you more about her role. But uh, yeah, I'm very excited for you to listen to this episode. Remember that you can find me on Twitter at Sophia is Bio, and I also write articles in collaboration with bio companies uh, on my Substack, sophiasbio.substack.com. Let's start. So hi, Christina. It's great to um, have this conversation with you. I'm excited. Um, I guess that people outside, especially of the synthetic biology sphere, will want to know what does it mean to be a creative director at Ginkgo? And I would like to ask this question as in, how do you tell your children about your role? So uh, I love that question. Uh, well, because, well, first of all, my, my kids are very young. They're, they're, um, in kindergarten and second grade. So usually like, they're just like completely not interested in like oh, the grown up world, <laughs> at all. like what we do. They're like, Oh yeah, yeah. Like talk on the phone a lot. I don't know what you do for, um, or like, but when they, um, you know, when there's a story about a scientist, like in a book that they're reading or on TV, I'm like, did you know that I'm a scientist? Um, and so then they know that they, they know there's like something about science and then there's like something about the germs. Um, and I sort of like anytime, anytime, you know, it comes up like, a, you know, there's a, a show called story bots on Netflix. That's great. And they have a whole episode on DNA. And I was like, do you know that I do, I do stuff with DNA. <laughs> and they're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know if that, like, yeah, explaining it, like explain to my kids, probably not the best, uh, at this point. Um, but I can explain it sort of more generally what I do, um, which is, uh, it's, uh, I've used this term like creative, um, to sort of, to, to, like carve out a space um, where kind of creativity and, and storytelling um, and imagination like can and should be part of the way that we do biotechnology. Um, but then 
in practice, that looks like the kind of functions that exist in a company like marketing, uh, mm -hmm. communications, <laughs> uh, uh, policy, uh, brand, design, like th those are the roles that sort of exist on my team. Um, and, and the whole, what brings them together is this sort of notion of like being in between the technology uh, and other audiences that we have, whether those are our customers, our investors, the media, sort of the the outside world, right? Like how, how are we translating across those things? How are we sort of interpreting and understanding the problems that we want to solve, whether there are customers' problems, problems out in the world? <laughs> um, how, how do we sort of like do that sort of back and forth exchange of, uh, and, and how do we sort of do that in a way that is creative and, and sort of about synthesis and bringing things together and, and making things happen. Um, so yeah, my team does marketing, we do brand, we do policy, we do communications, we do PR. Um, but we use a lot of, of, of these tools from design, from imagination, uh, from storytelling uh, to bridge this gap that kind of that that inevitably exists between sort of the inside and the outside of the company and the technology. Sure. And I was reading your one of your interviews and you mentioned like perhaps the importance of having this um, creative aspect and uh, portion of the company is that otherwise other people would tell that story. And usually, you know, um, let me know if I'm wrong, but the like trend I've seen in how the media represents biotech companies, you know, aside from, I, I guess, creating solutions to problems and so on, sometimes biotech is seen more as this uh, Jurassic Park, I guess, with a negative connotation and so on. And it's like you want to really tell, you know, the, the story of uh, how, how you think about it and what your mission is. So can you tell us a little bit more about the importance of science communication in that sense? Um, sure. I mean, and I'll also tell maybe a story a little bit more about Ginkgo. So, right, like sure. I told you about what my team does, and I didn't, I didn't say what what Ginkgo does, right? So, um, Ginkgo is a synthetic biology company. Our our mission is to make biology easier to engineer. Um, uh, Absolutely, like the point of having that mission is so that we make things better, right? Like, and, and, uh, you know, better can mean a lot of different things. And so we have to sort of really interrogate that. Like, what does it look like to be better? How do we apply this in a positive way? What are the ways that we're going to like save the world? How do we make the, the sort of marvelous, wonderful, like, amazing parts of Jurassic Park. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. Like dinosaurs, like that's cool. Like, but, but also like respect to the biology, uh, uh, respect, uh, yeah, like evolution, respect what we can do with it and like what we should be doing, um, uh, to sort of protect against the, the parts, the, the bad parts of Jurassic Park. So, um, in fact, for us, Jurassic Park is super important <laughs> as, as this kind of cultural moment and a cultural sort of story uh, that, that helps us kind of show both sides, right? Like that biology can do incredible things, like just completely amazing, so wonderful. Um, but there's also this kind of risk of life finds a way. Um, and, and 
the attempts to sort of completely try to control that and corral that like inevitably are going to be uh, limited. And so like, what, what should we, how could we do this? How might we explore biology and be, be part of it anyway? So that's what, that's what Ginkgo wants to do. Um, And, and therefore like, of course that story we tell and the way that we bring people together to imagine what those good things, what the good (laughs) version is going to be. Right. Like when we say we want to make the world better. Um, this is something I learned from Daisy Ginsburg, right? Like you say better for who, right? Like mm-hmm. what does better mean? Like who's at the table to be part of that? Like h- how do we do that work? Right. And so if you don't do it on purpose, exactly. Like it's some, it's going to be, uh, it's not going to necessarily go in the, in that positive direction. It won't happen inevitably. Um, it won't inevitably be positive. Um, it has to be something that we sort of do intentionally together and so that's your that's your brand that's what you're building like that's the community that's making it possible that's the team that's the culture um and all of those things are super important uh they're necessary to make a new technology and to make a new technology that's going to have a positive impact I remember that in another one of our conversations, you were also talking about how this, um, for example, the Grow magazine was inspired by another early, you know, digital hardware uh, tech company. Was it Intel? Oh, um, so so there was like a couple uh, inspirations. It was it was IBM. Uh, oh, oh, IBM. Okay. So- IBM. So like, well, there's a sort of like immediate uh, inspiration, which is a group called The Engine, which is a a small, like early stage VC firm, kind of like Mm -hmm. connected to MIT um, here in Cambridge. They do really great. They have really great storytelling about their sort of community, their portfolio, like what hard tech innovation really looks like. Um, And they had a magazine called Tough Tech that, that, that their team built. And it was like, we saw it and we're like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like what an amazing way to be able to like kind of articulate and bring together that kind of a vision and sort of like create this artifact um, that can sort of tell, tell that story. And so that, that was like an immediate, like, Oh, how we could do that. Like, that would be super interesting. Like, so the engine is great. Like love them. Super inspirational. And then actually like what we learned after we started working on, on building this magazine, we were going to call it grow. We were going to, which is kind of a word again, we, 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 we had kind of borrowed grow as this kind of like, emblem kind of word uh, already for Ginkgo, the way that yeah. IBM had think. Um, so mm-hmm. IBM had think as this kind of word that they they kind of put it everywhere, all over their, all over their um, offices. And it was really this kind of like motto that drove their culture. Like they think, they make machines that think, um, they like, that, that was a real driver of what they were trying to do. And in fact, we learned later, they also had a magazine called Think uh, that they started in the 1930s um, to really kind of like articulate again, that for, for them, it was this vision of like, what is a computer in the first place? Like, what does, what is, data processing mean or look like what is like what could you do with a computer how is it going to change society and so that magazine ran for 40 years um during this kind of like huge growth in, in IBM and in computing as an industry um, and not just an industry, but as a, as a technology, as something that like changed the way we do things in, in all of these different ways. And so they had sort of alongside, again, the people like building and selling the, the, the technology. Um, they also were always very deliberately thinking about like, what is it going to be? What will it do? How will it transform things? Like, and, and how, how does that sort of thinking about what might be possible, like shape, take shape? 
um, and, and shape. And so that was happening in, in this magazine too. So that, that became this kind of you know, this sort of second inspiration as we continue to build, build, grow. I love that. <laughs> it is very, indeed, very inspirational. So when you mention um, who are we building these technologies for? I wonder, so I was reading uh, this article recently and it talked about like how more mainstream something like chat GPT is nowadays than um, things like, I don't know, uh, synthetic biology generally or, you know, um, dye made with bacteria, no, just to mention an example. And so I wonder in that sense, who are, um, is Grow, for example, or Ginkgo, um, the creative team currently targeting more of the, you know, companies and uh, your customers, of course, or how are you thinking about bringing synthetic biology into the mouths of uh, everyone else outside the symbiospace? I'd say probably like we are often like thinking about like a much broader audience but even like there is no like one like mainstream or like one public <laughs> right like yeah. there's there's lots and lots of different kinds of people mm -hmm. <laughs> um and lots of different kinds of ways that they sort of like engage with this kind of stuff um and so uh I think we are very conscious of that and and sort of thinking about it uh but often like the but we recognize the need to sort of like be often talking to to sort of a, a much narrower set of people kind of like sort of already part of our community we want to grow that community directly with people who are sort of already like building sure. with these kinds of technologies or thinking about it but then like but you have to sort of connect it to a bigger a bigger story and like a more a more sort of mainstream message and, and the mainstream like possibilities right so like mm -hmm. even for those people in our community like they have customers like they have people that they're going to be, they want to be engaging with this, this technology. Like that's part of the ecosystem too. So I think you have to sort of be doing it at different levels at the same time. In terms of like the mainstreaming of chat GPT, like that's super <laughs> interesting, right? Like I actually remember like, I, this is something I think about it frequently because people are like, oh, like nobody understands like synthetic biology. Like we, we have to do all this work to kind of like, you know, whatever, like nobody mm -hmm. understands molecular biology. It's like too confusing. And like, you know, if you talk about it, you know, it's like too dense. It's too, you know, like that's the sort of complaint. And then I'm always kind of think about it. Like, like, I don't know what AGI like really right. means. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not a computer scientist. Like, I mean, I can read the news articles about it. I can like do type the prompts. I can play around with it. Like, I I know why it's important, but like, do I really understand it? Like, no. Like, do I understand anything at all about blockchain and like everything people are talking <laughs> about five years? Like, no, no way, no way. And like most right. people too who were like writing those articles about like blockchain is gonna have this expect thing. I think they also didn't understand it, certainly not to the level that like, yeah, mm -hmm. those of us, yeah, like you're you know synthetic biology, right? Like, and so I think there's also sort of a sense of like how does it become something that can be like vernacular too? Like, you know, what what is that sort of transition point? Like, what is it that makes makes those things sort of like cross over into the mainstream. So like, I would argue like CRISPR as a concept, like really did like have a sort of mainstream like crossover, like mm -hmm. where people are like, literally like talking about CRISPR, like my mom was like, 
you didn't do CRISPR. Did you do CRISPR? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like um, and so that was really interesting, right? Like that word, that notion, like really helped people connect to it somehow. Um, even again, like people don't really understand how it works. Like they're not actually going to be pipetting. Like that's fine, sure. right? Like, but they're, they're kind of get the concept. And I think the same sort of like we, we saw maybe that the next one has been like mRNA, um, right? Like, okay, mRNA vaccines. Like I get, I get it. I understand. Like, so mm-hmm. I think that's, we, we, it is mainstream is what I'm saying maybe like at that level as as much as sort of chat gpt is right like as like oh there's this kind of like yeah like that kind of token word mm-hmm. <laughs> brand right it's a right. brand uh about that sort of connects to a concept that like underneath has so much complexity um that like there's experts who like the experts don't really understand. Um, the experts are trying to figure it out. Like that's the, that's the point of the experts at this point for those new kinds of technologies. Like what might it be? What could it look like? What are the tools that we need to sort of keep approaching and, and get better? So that that's true in, in AI. It's true in synthetic biology. It's true where they intersect with each other. Um, and so I think the, the concepts, many of the concepts in synthetic biology are truly mainstream, right? Like people know Jurassic Park. <laughs> they, know, <laughs> they know about DNA. They know about mRNA. Like mRNA mRNA vaccines, that's synthetic biology. They know about CRISPR. They know about GMOs. Like they're engaging with it. They're asking questions. They're they're mm-hmm. saying like, I want this. I don't want this. I think this, I that. Like, right? Like we're yeah. having that conversation in the mainstream. And so the question becomes like, how do we participate in that? Um, and, and how do we... Um, yeah, how do we participate in that? How do we sort of build that conversation? How do we make, how do we turn that into the sort of next, um, the next developments, the next iteration, the next kind of generation of this stuff? Right. Yeah, I guess that that's an answer that I didn't expect. Like perhaps synthetic biology is already mainstream, but in a way that we don't notice it as much. I was thinking, well, maybe, you know, something like ChatGPT scales faster than something like lab-grown meat, right? It's uh, That's going to take more time for people to actually be in direct touch with. But again, like how many billions of people got vaccinated within a, sure. a period of yeah. one year, right? Like that was incredible. And so yeah. like, and and so many people again like working together to make that possible all over the world like uh th- there's it can scale <laughs> and it does yeah. like when it's the right when it's right um and and when sort of everything is is aligned um and so and and that has taken right like for that to be possible um like we are tremendously lucky that that COVID did happen when it did rather than like 10, 20 years earlier, right? Like that wouldn't have been possible 20 years ago. Right. Like there, there has been this kind of infrastructure that's been built and changing those people thinking about the tools, what should be possible, what might synthetic biology look like? And that sort of has set the stage for all of these things to be to be possible. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, I, I think it's it's happening. It has happened. Like it will continue to happen. Um, and I think we sort of maybe maybe that's a sort of other piece of it here. Like, mm-hmm. or when we think about culture or, or our community or others, I think like I think biologists um, and 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 sort of scientists. Like, there is a sort of like scientist uh, culture mentality, um, sort of like approach um I, I sort of associate, associate very much with scientists and sort of my my upbringing as a scientist like as well as boston <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of like uh, in contrast with san francisco um right. so it's like a silicon valley culture where mm-hmm. we like 
you you can like literally have saved the world and like be literally curing cancer and literally doing all of these things. And everyone's like, Oh, it doesn't work. Like it's not going to (laughs) win. Like we see all the, all the sort of like failings, right. Or like, it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not perfect yet. Um, Right. And so I think we, you know, rather than sort of see it as like, what isn't yet. Right. Like, Oh, I only see the negatives. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I'm like phrasing this wrong, but like, I, I think that there's a kind of like exuberance and optimism and ambition, uh, which can definitely like cross over into like toxic territory, <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Uh, like from, from the sort of Silicon Valley people, like the blockchain is going to change everything. Everything's yeah. going to be different. Everything's amazing. Like, and, and, and we like, yeah. Um, which drives some of that sort of innovation too. like, mm-hmm. um, but I think like the the sort of scientific, uh, like the kind of like rigorous skepticism, like it's it's what makes science so good. Sure. <laughs> it's again like it's a good thing that that scientists like do think that way. But I think it also like it makes us so pessimistic. We like don't see the the successes when they are right in front of us, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and sort of like we sort of see it all as a failure rather than sort of, like. <laughs> path of like how how these things will happen and how they will change and how these things will evolve and like what we'll learn from and what happens next and right like is is chat gpt like AI like agi like not yet mm-hmm. <laughs> like are are people talking about it like and thinking about it, and, are, top yeah. of it and imagining what it should be and like thinking like hashing out all of the stuff that that it could how it could look like absolutely and that's that's super interesting right so what i think that's happening too for synthetic biology so like yeah like let's let's like recognize that and do it on purpose Something that I didn't have the chance to ask you previously is how did you arrive at Ginkgo? What was the journey to that? And what uh, what was something that perhaps, you know, made you coming from this, I guess, very scientific mindset and uh, doing your PhD in academia and so on? What what made it interesting to you to be in a more of a creative role and so on? But tell me a little bit more about the journey. Right. So. I did a PhD because I wanted to be one of these like rigorous, hard-nosed, skeptical scientists. And I only wanted to do like, (laughs) I only wanted to do like molecules and biochemistry. I wanted to be a chemist. (laughs) And I was like, uh, like, I just loved it. Right. Like every, every bit about it. Um, and I was so obsessed. And so I was, you know, started my PhD thinking I was going to become a, a, like, really do like organic chemistry, like pharmacology, like, you know, chemical biology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I like happened to meet uh, Pam Silver at, during the orientation week at, at Harvard. Um, and like, I, she like, blew me away. Like I had never met someone like her, <laughs> like, uh, and, and I had never too, like as a student at that time, like had never been able to sort of interact with professors, like in, in, in a way that sort of was more at a level of like, not quite peer, but more peer than when you're an undergrad, right? Like mm-hmm. we're like out to dinner together at the mm-hmm. like orientation. Cause that's the, the, the kind of relationship that they want you to be building. Like as, as a graduate student is like, you are part of the scientific community. Like this is, this is a community where these pe- professors aren't teaching you. They're your colleagues kind of, mm-hmm. right. It's sort of like the, the vibe. Right. And so like, and that was like, first of all, like that was exciting to me. I was like, oh, I'm a scientist. <laughs> <It was exciting. laughs> and, then, and then she had this, like, just like, 
totally um like just incredible charisma first of all and like she was like um she was sort of asking these questions that were very different again than sort of like the scientific sort of mentality that I had sort of been been trained in at that time right because it wasn't like oh like how does this work it's like how could it work for us or with us right so she was hmm. saying like oh yeah my team is gonna we're gonna we're gonna solve climate change like we're gonna um we're gonna make biofuels like we're gonna we're doing and I had never heard of this before at that time and like this idea that she was like what do you think biology should do what do you want to do with it like we're doing synthetic biology and I was like what is that right like she's like we're making stuff happen like yeah. what do you think it should be and that was a question like no one had ever asked me before everything else like all the other kind and realized it was like, oh, like, well, you got to figure out what this, like, <laughs> this, like, phosphorylation cascade, blah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, like, I studied this part of this thing, of this thing inside of cell bio, which maybe will cure cancer someday, um, was sort of like the, what, what most people were sort of like, it felt like. Um, and then she was like, no, big, like, what, what is it? What, what could it big be? Picture. Um, mm-hmm. Big picture. Big um, picture. And she also, the other thing that she did, um, which was, again, like, so surprising to me and so like again like eye-opening life-changing uh it was exactly around the time when the um uh president of harvard larry summers had uh said that women are bad at science like maybe biologically do you remember this like it was like (laughs) oh yeah like maybe we should just look objectively at the facts and see like the fact that women are not doing like not achieving more in science and technology just has to do with their like innate ability Mm-hmm. And so, and like, and, and, and Pam was there like laughing her head off, like, <laughs> and just be like, can you believe this idiot? <laughs> and like saying not, not even less nice language. Um, and I, like the, I don't know, that felt like so, um, to be able to like laugh at that and like, and, and sort of be like, and just like, so outright, like reject that, like, I, I don't know. I like, I appreciated it. I needed that. And I also sort of like, so, so that, that moment, right. Like opened up this like two branches for me. (laughs) One of like, what could biology be? Like, I was like, I want to be a synthetic biologist. I want to ask that question. Like I want to do that kind of creating with Mm -hmm. biology. Um, That feels very exciting. I want to work with Pam to do that. So like that, (laughs) that sort of Mm -hmm. was the first sort of thing was like my path to where I came to. And then other stuff, like kind of like recognizing the like ridiculousness and like cruelty (laughs) like of of people using science like this thing that I loved um and and this kind of like notion of like that rigor and that objectivity and weaponizing it against a group of people um like and and sort of recognizing like how ashamed we should be as scientists for, for that like rather than than um uh, like rather than saying like, yes, that is true. Like the facts of the matter are that like women are dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like obviously that's, it just like can't be true. It's not true. Uh, and so like, why, how do we, how have we like let people like him still get away with it? Like it, that was like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so many years, right? Like that, that science has been this like tool of oppression rather than like a tool for like bringing everybody up right like um and so what what would science look like if we could like 
like Pam did, just like reject it outright. Like that's not what science is. <laughs> that's not what science is going to look like. We're going to do it. We're going to do it differently. Um, and so those are two kind of two moments. Okay. One moment that became two, two sort of threads. Okay. So I, I joined Pam's lab. I'm doing, I'm trying to do climate related things. I'm making biofuels. Like, again, like as a tra trained as a scientist, like in this sort of like world of science, like what, again, like where, where sort of our value is measured and kind of the experimental output and results. And everyone was telling me to kind of like focus, focus, focus more on the details of the science. And like, like okay, you got to like figure out this little pathway and this little part of this little enzyme. And I was like, <laughs> like wait is this gonna solve energy <laughs> and so you mentioned that you know this very like scientific mindset of being sometimes very focused on like this very niche and specific thing and uh I wonder what uh now working at the ginkgo creative uh team I I wonder what are some skills or mindsets that you see scientists with you know um, the like the the character you you've just described could improve or could acquire to further have like this bigger vision of the impact that their science is doing. So like I that's like to me like that's why like ginkgo especially and like uh, maybe like and more generally kind of like a startup or or kind of company was interesting to me or became interesting to me right like I, I think I recognized. Uh, you know, there's something wrong with like the way we approach these problems, right? Like capitalism <laughs> is why we can't, like why we can't solve climate change. Like, like we, uh, there's all these like politics. There's like how things, how things are done in the real world and how like people communicate, how people exchange, like the, the visions and like the, the politics of these ideas and like who gets money, how it flows, like how, how like that is all shaped, like that's what ultimately sort of like ha has a lot to do with how these technologies sort of manifest and how, and how they're shaped. Um, mm -hmm. And so like in, as an academic, you can, you can like talk about that, <laughs> like at a startup, like you live it because it's like, mm -hmm. what, what's going to work to, to go to the next, like the next stage, like, how are we going to sort of like, like build the uh, the all of the things that it takes to kind of make this technology come come to be <laughs> mm -hmm. um and and how do all of those things come together and so I think the other thing about sort of a company like versus a versus a sort of academic like world for me was like the company it is like really a team effort like it's such a collective exercise and like all of those things matter together like nothing I'm doing matters without the people who are building the technology like who are getting into that those small details but we have to be able to sort of do it together um and and in the context of a company and a company like Ginkgo like we we can and do right so I, I think there's a there's this kind of um I think there has to be kind of like an exchange, an ecosystem, of like a shared sort of like common uh, sort of uh, goal uh, that we are we have to do, um, and sort of like recognize that that the way that we all sort of add and contribute to that is is what matters. And so, yeah, for for sort of like a part, individual scientist, like in terms of that mindset, like I think just to me the most important thing has been that sort of like you know, like a step, step out of it for a moment and sort of like, look, look kind of from a different perspective. Right. So like, you know, uh, it, it is very easy to kind of fall into that same trap as Larry Summers and people still do it. I see it all the time on 
all the time. And so like, I was like, oh yeah, like it's just, is this way? Like that's just objective, whatever. To, to sort of, again, like treat it like a scientist, like be skeptical, like dig a little bit deeper. Like, well, why? Like, where did that come from? Like, why is that? Like, um, like, you know, uh, I actually like, why did that happen? Like what, what, what are, what are the sort of like other factors? Like, like the, maybe to like, okay, well, one more, one more thought. Like, so, so like, I think people talk about, um, uh, a lot about this notion of like things being socially constructed. Um, so like gender and, and mm-hmm. race and, and are socially constructed. Um, and, and scientists often like take that to mean like that, that people who say that mean think it's fake or something like that. There's like, it's, it's fake. Um, and it's not that it's fake. Like, uh, it's very real. Like these things are very real. Um, like a house is constructed, but it is, it is real, but it is made. Right. And so to kind of think about those, like, the real world, like actual experiences of those things, like are determined and shaped by our social interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are very, very real. Uh, mm-hmm. And so just like recognize that those, those two are real and can be thought about like critically and like, uh, and uh, yeah, just like critically and rigorously and skeptically and sort of understand that like the social reality is part of what makes science. And so just like, just like, don't be fooled. Don't be tricked uh, into thinking that science is like just, (laughs) is just facts because then you become a tool for the people who want to oppress others. Uh, And so if you want to oppress others, like that sucks, uh, but like it recognizes that that's what you're doing. Um, so maybe that's, that's the, that's the sort of, I don't know, maybe that's too complicated or too, mm-hmm. too, too, too many layers right now, too messy. Yeah, <laughs> too, too many layers. But I, I like that something you mentioned was that not because something is just a story doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't impact the real world in a sense. And, you know, every, every layer of reality. So right, I, I right. like, Politics mm-hmm. is real. Like it's real. Yeah. It's really how these things happen, right? Like it's it's our shared like our values and and what we want the future to look like. Those yeah. are real things, um, and they shape the way that things really happen. Um, and so, like we can we can pretend that they don't exist, or we can like write it off or say it's like not the real thing somehow. Um, but but it is the real thing. It is the the thing, right? So anyway, I didn't I didn't say that part, but I guess like for me that that was that sort of realization that like if I wanted to make biology easier to engineer, if I wanted these technologies to to be real, like uh, the technology is really hard, but like this stuff is also like extremely hard, um, and like we don't pay enough attention to it as scientists. Like mm-hmm. we don't bring like our like our, our perspective, our rigor, our and and we can't like we don't bridge between again like the the technology, the the the, the molecular facts, like and mm-hmm. the social facts. And mm-hmm. I knew that that was going to be necessary um, to make this technology real, and so that's where I wanted to like to explore. Mm-hmm. And to, to explore that space, like I needed to be like a little bit weird and a little bit on the outside and like bring in a lot of different kinds of like skills that I didn't have yet as a, um, as a scientist. And so like, I was finding those with social scientists and with artists and designers. And so like, mm-hmm. that's why I practice it the way that I do, um, is sort of an accident of all of these things. So everything is like right place, right time, like an accident mm-hmm. of like meeting people and building it. Um, but that's, why am I making go? How am I making go? And the approach that I take um, is because, like, 
I have the same mission. I want, I want biology. I want us to work with technology uh, that is biological rather than, you know, petroleum based. <laughs> I want us to, I want us to like rethink how we manufacture everything. And I want yeah. to do all of that. Um, and I know that to do it, we have to be um, engaging with those, with people. To make yeah. It happen. To define what you want to biology to be and what everyone else wants wants it to be as well. I like that. I also read that one of the questions you ask yourself uh, as a creative director is um, what needs to be true basically for, you know, Ginkgo, for example, to fulfill its mission. And as you say, not only in the molecular world, but also in the social one. And so I wonder what are some of the answers or the hypotheses you have on this? What What's something that you are somehow trying to um, influence in a, in a positive way, of course, to, you know, bring us to this larger vision of an abundant future with synthetic biology? Uh, this is a great question. There's again so many like possible like, layers and like directions that you could take it, right? So like in many ways, like ginkgo, right? Like again with a mission to make biology easier to engineer, like it's what we're all trying to build, right? Like mm -hmm. what needs to be true, like in order for biology to be easier. Like I think we we believe that uh, what needs to be true is that there's a shared common platform uh, where we can like learn and, and keep improving and keep scaling like what it is possible to do to access with biology. Um, and that through that kind of like shared platform and kind of generalized set of tools, uh, we'll be able to do more and more better uh, synthetic biology basically. So like the, the, the kind of core heart of ginkgo the technology platform is itself like that the, the first answer to the, like that question of what needs to be true mm -hmm. so there's like the technology platform that we that, that that has this kind of feedback loop that we hope will keep getting and we see keeps getting better um the more experiments we do um and that that soon more and more and more people will be able to access to to use to to do the kinds of technology development that we need for synthetic biology um there's like the layer of it that's also the business model so like if you build a generalized set of, set of tools for cell engineering, like how do you like keep growing that, right? Like mm -hmm. how, what do you sell um, uh, to sort of enable that to keep, to keep being true, to build it so that it can maintain, like keep being horizontal, um, keep being sort of generalized for everybody. So how we work with our customers um, mm -hmm. is like the sort of next layer. Uh, and then there's like the, then there's so many other things, right? Like, um, I think across the ecosystem, right? Like how are people, how and what are people investing in, right? Like what are the applications um, that are sort of ready, uh, you know, like near-term, medium-term, long-term? How do we imagine those? How are their new startups? Like how are they getting uh, sort of funded? And like, how are they like staffing? Like where's the workforce? Like how, how are we educating people to become synthetic biologists? Like uh, all of those questions start become like what needs to be true to make biologies or to engineer. Mm -hmm. And then there's the question of, okay, okay, within those applications, like we're talking about um, like now where, where technologies also sort of like meet 
problems out in the world to solve, like, and people who will like buy or not buy the, the, <laughs> the solutions being, being offered. Right. So um, how do you design and like, you know, there's, there's amazing work happening in fashion and materials, imagining like, you know, rethinking entire supply chains and the ways that people might sort of work, buy and, and engage with like their everyday products uh, in cosmetics, uh, in fashion, in uh, like food, uh, agriculture, how we grow our food, like all of those things now are start. You can start to like ask questions of how do we rethink all of those things? All of those things need to be true. Oh, oh, and then and then people have to be able to like talk about GM. <laughs> Tell me about the GMO sticker. Yeah. So like, right. So we're saying, you know, for for twenty years, synthetic biologists are saying like we're going to make GMO everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, and, and there's this elephant in the room, like this re and the real fear, a real fear when you talk to the synthetic biologist of like, oh, but, but, but people don't like GMOs. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, are they gonna like, how, like there's, there's a sort of like, um, when people bring it up, like, I think it, it comes in, the, in a few flavors. Like one is this kind of like exasperation, like, don't people like, ugh, don't people know it's going to be better? Like they're dumb. <laughs> I can just teach them about science. So they'll like, so we can just get on with it mm -hmm. um, is the sort of like first, the first kind of layer. Um, then there's a sort of like, oh, like maybe we need to like, you know, uh, if you kind of get beyond the like people are dumb and bad and just like exasperated part like there's the next layer is like oh like maybe we need like a different set of words like we're gonna call it something else and like make it seem <laughs> friendlier like and and like then we'll get through um mm -hmm. there's a lot of energy that can, can sort of like get sunk into those kinds of things like or, or people are sort of yeah this kind of notion of like rebranding so like i probably I, I have a conversation like at least once a week where somebody's like, you really shouldn't call it synthetic biology, you know? <laughs> <laughs> What are they suggesting instead? Um, I mean, so the, there's, there's folks who are calling it precision fermentation. That, that's mm. super interesting. There's people who are calling it like biodesign. There's people calling it, you know, mm. like there's a lot, you know, uh, they're bioengineered. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all of these are, are sort of like interesting words. And I, I like, again, like I'm interested in it sort of academically. Mm. Um, but I, but I think there's also like, there's something more like to the heart of the matter, um, that you sort of probably need. So like, yeah, yes, brand, obviously brand, I think brand is important and like how, how we like how we how we talk about it how we sort of help people imagine it how we educate people like all of that is part of these things um but I think we first have to sort of educate ourselves too about like where is that like concern coming from like what is the concern around GMO it's not just the word obviously mm -hmm. um uh and so then the question becomes like what are the values that people sort of like Uh, that people ascribe to GMOs and 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 reject, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and and how do we sort of get beyond that, right? So people, the uh, GMO as a concept, as a word, has become this like proxy for like a very kind of particular set of like a relationship to nature, to food, to agriculture um, that was like very much shaped by the like 1990s like discussion around like GMO corn. Mm -hmm. um, and so when people sort of talk about GMOs, they they're usually talking about like, oh, I like 
I am worried about the the like uh, use of chemicals uh, in in certain ways. Uh, I'm worried about like the the risks and impacts because I have seen over decades like how these kinds of chemicals like they can spill, they can hurt people, they can harm people. Like um, I'm concerned about how that like this kind of approach, like, you know, reshapes like farming communities, like reshapes the economies of different parts of the country. I'm worried about how, like, yeah, like who is benefiting? Mm -hmm. Um, And like, those are the kinds of conversations that people like, I I think that the people who are, yeah, like when you kind of dig deep, like that's where, what what often is at the heart of it. Um, and, And so like, what are those values like that we are now bringing? Like, are we saying like, we want to do that or we want to do something else? Like, what is that something else? Like, what might that be? Like, is that something that we actually like have in common with people in fact, who are worried about GMOs and those and things. And I think that that is what we're starting to see. And so like, I think for all what it's worth, like I think a lot of those folks who are talking about precision uh, fermentation, who are talking about biodesign, who are talking about these, using these other words, like, they're, they are addressing that root cause. Like they're finding, they're, they're trying to solve problems that exist like because of these kinds of other approaches. Like um, they're trying to replace certain kinds of like harmful like uh, ingredients or, or processes. They're trying to bring more sort of like living biological processes into the ways that we make food, that we make our cosmetics, we make our ingredients. So like they they share more in common with the people who are worried about GMOs than, than they <laughs> And it may appear <laughs> because, because again, that GMO became this kind of like label, this brand. Yeah. Um, and so therefore, like, I, I want <laughs> GMOs that like, we don't escape that by just calling it something else. We escape it by doing something different. And that is what is happening. And so that's why I made, I made these stickers that say, I heard GMO to like help us kind of get over that, like instinctive fear of the brand and like mm. of what it of, or, or what it represents um and and to like dig deeper to say like what would it be take to make gmos that people love and like in fact like and people are doing it like i think that's what's what's really amazing like i think we're we've seen now over the past five ten years like like stories of products of ideas of cosmetics of of things that like again like we're not using the word but it doesn't it doesn't really matter like mm-hmm. because you know because people do sort of you know like they'll say how is it made like oh well we genetically engineer yeah the association <laughs> so we make it there um mm-hmm. like it's it, it will always be there and like again there's certain people you'll never convince like they don't want they don't touch my dna okay that's fine <laughs> like, um uh but 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 it's it's more than that, right? Like it's because you're you're making a product that people want, that people love, mm-hmm. um, and and so that's that's been um, again that that's that feels like the thing, the kind of like more Weird. holistic kind of design and engineering. Yeah. But I mean, you mentioned that I I wasn't thinking about how that this may help uh, synthetic biology companies themselves, you know, to get rid of this, uh, I guess, fear, as you say, of, of the GMO brand. But I wonder if so far, um, there are any, you know, stories with, uh, again, people, um, perhaps who, who find this sticker provocative to, to think about it differently. You know, I, uh, I guess I saw on Twitter once that, you know, people finding, uh, ginkgo people with the sticker and asking about it and so on. Do you have any like anecdotes there? I have so many. It's- <laughs> 
great. Like, again, like when you can actually have a conversation and you have this sort of like openness, like yeah. it's not, we're not starting from like a hostile, like, you better understand you are going sure. to deal with it. Like it's, it's like, oh, let me tell you about what I do. Like, mm-hmm. I love, you know, this is great. Um, Like here's one example. I actually was working on a slide deck on a plane. And so I'm like typing in my computer and I have, I, I, I talk about this story. And so often I, I sort of like lead into it with a picture of people like a march against Monsanto, like people marching in the street with posters that are like GMO yeah. crossed out. Right. Um, and so I, I had that picture up and I was sort of typing my notes and uh, the woman sitting next to me on the plane, like kind of looked over, she's like, oh, mm, GMOs, mm, yeah, they're bad, huh? <laughs> and I was like, well, like, let, let me, me like, tell you, let me show you my next slide, <laughs> which is the, like me and the, like, so it was somebody holding up the I Heart GMO sticker. And, and I was like, oh, well, so what we do is we're actually working to, to engineer microbes to like replace some of these chemicals. We're making yeah. biologicals for agriculture. We're thinking about like, you know, addressing climate change. We're making these kinds of like, you know, animal free proteins. And she was like, oh, like, that's so cool. Like, like, again, the, the problems that we were solving, like want, were the same. And, and so it's yeah. not, we're not trying to solve them through a rejection of GMO, um, but through a sort of like, again like a, a a design of a solution that that includes this as a technology but is more sort of holistic around like how it's used and, and how it impacts people um and and so I, i've had that conversation dozens and dozens of times mm-hmm. with people and a lot of other people have to and i think then like i'd say like again ginkgo can take this risk on with our branch is like i can put out i i can make i heard gmo stickers like i can i can make the t-shirts like i can i can go around <laughs> saying it to my customers like i think a lot of our customers like they they worry about that risk and so like they they're they're necessarily cautious and i totally respect that like and and so like i think if we can if we can sort of be part of that story like and help kind of like lay the groundwork like i'd love mm-hmm. to do that i would love to ha- help like that and and help the whole industry um be able to sort of tell new kinds of stories and better stories um and then uh yeah so then then and then you can call it whatever you want <laughs> and you can show show people how it's made and talk yeah. about it right like and 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 help people sort of like really see that the values that you are putting into the design of the products that you're making like that's what ultimately matters and so yeah like i'd say the most hostility i've had to the iHeart gmo sticker is not from gmo critics or like anti-GMO activists but from from that sort of like crowd of like they should just deal with it scientists like Mm. um uh you know there's a there's a particularly cranky Nobel Prize winner who like has yelled at me a couple times (laughs) 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 um because he's like my feelings like just like GMOs like and and so like you know you shouldn't call it that you should just like you know like it should be unlabeled like just hide Mm. it like sneak it in there and I was like I don't want to do that. Like, I want people to talk about it. I want us to celebrate it. I want us to talk about the values that we want in the design. Like, that's the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's how we will make great things. Um, and so, like, uh, yeah, I'd say overall, like, I think it has been a really um, sort of positive kind of uh experiment um over over the years as, as we've sort of shaped it. And, and, and I think it still, it continues to spark conversations. But I think, like, the world is different now. I made those in 2016. Um, I think there are now more examples of like great designs um, and, and GMOs that people do love. Um, and I think there's also um, like a, a much greater like realization about like the 
the problems, right? Like the pro again, and, and the sort of like disentangling of the sort of like particular technology, like from the problem, um, right? Like we're trying, we're all trying to solve the same like big problems. Um, like how, how we approach that, like is political, like, and is going to sort of change and we're going to figure it out over time, but we need to sort of un untangle the, the particular of the technology from like mm -hmm. the what we're trying to actually solve and so this recognition that like we're all in this together <laughs> we're, trying to, we're trying to fight this like we're trying to solve this problem we we, we win together um mm -hmm. i think that's that's where we, where we need to go yeah i love that finding like the yeah the common ground i mean in, in the end as you say it's um we're all trying to solve the same problem it's just a matter of the uh i guess a little details in there of what we call the solutions um and how people perceive them Um, finally, I would like to ask you, so I know that, you know, part of your role, of course, entails design, and um, this is just sort of meant to be a funny question. So <laughs> I once uh, saw on Twitter that uh, Jake, I think, Wintermute was, you know, <laughs> joking about um, Comic Sans, you know, not being perhaps your most favorite font. So tell me a bit more about that. <laughs> um, I think, I mean... <laughs> so Com Comic Sans has become a little bit of a meme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> About as, as like it's 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 sort of like the 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 bad font. <laughs> Comic Sans. So it's like it's it's sort of uh it's sort of gone from like oh my god, isn't it so silly that scientists like choose Comic Sans to put their presentation, like set their presentations to be like fun. <laughs> and it like looks ugly because uh, because it like Comic Sans is like meant for, it has a time and a place mm -hmm. <laughs> um, to sort of like, now it's just sort of like morphed. It, it became this sort of like, again, like emblem of bad design for a long mm -hmm. time. Um, and then like now there's like a sort of like post- post ironic like meme yeah <laughs> of, like now you use comic sans like on purpose again yeah. like to sort of have a meta narrative about like design and fonts and like how and how design works <laughs> and so like now I feel like I you know I I, I sort of participated in, in that whole the whole uh the arc there I was like yes please friends like let's not set our slides in comic sans it does not make you seem fun <laughs> it just, <laughs> just kind of looks sloppy doesn't really work yeah. here um like find a font that works like um to now sort of like uh appreciating um the sort of like meta ironic uh, joke of comic sans so like i mean i whatever i saw someone post someone was posting on our slack like someone with a huge back tattoo that says comic sans like in comic sans like it's become <laughs> again like it's like morphed into this other kind of thing and so anyway i i find all of that fascinating culture mm -hmm. <laughs> design uh and And like, uh, you know, how we we sort of talk about these things, I, I, it's all very, very interesting to me. So um, I appreciate Comic Sans for what it is. Um, and uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I have also come around like I used to spend a lot of time sort of fussing over the details of my slides. And now I just make like white <laughs> text <laughs> or like I'll write one word and be like, that's my slide. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, Again, but that's on purpose, right? Like it's it, it, so. All I want to highlight my things, yeah. my last thing is like you know ch the choices that you make, like uh, all the choices, your your fonts, your colors, your like all of them, like at all those layers, like they 
they tell a story. Um, and so you can choose them as default, like, and, and sort of accept the, the default position, um, or you can choose uh, and, and you can make choices as a scientist in, in how those things are shaped um, because together, like all of those things and how we interact with each other, like tells our story of the future and shapes that future that we want to be. So uh, yeah, obviously like who cares about what, whether it's one font or another, but like, it's all like, it's all part of how, how we are sort of like perceived and how we interact and how it is shaped. And so it all matters. Uh, and that's how we will make synthetic biology together. Thank you so much for sharing these thoughts, Christina. It was truly, truly interesting and, you know, many layers uh, to, to many of the questions. You know, these are like, you know, uh, big picture things we, we got to start thinking about. And so, yeah, I, I appreciate how, you know, um, these sorts of conversations also are, are part of shaping that. And I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for, for all the great questions and for all the work that you do um, <laughs> and the stories that you're telling, too. Thank you. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the BioFounders podcast. I'll see you in the next one.